Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Gene Therapy in Hemophilia A, Redefining the Treatment Paradigm. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Biomarin Pharmaceutical Incorporated. My name is Wolfgang Miesbach from the University Hospital of Frankfurt. Welcome to this CME presentation about gene therapy in hemophilia A. Let's start with some of the latest efficacy and durability data that is available for our gene therapy options. Monoptococcine Roxapavovic showed impressive efficacy in adults with severe hemophilia A after three years in its latest phase three trial. And it's the only phase three trial already published as a full paper. Most patients maintained sufficient factor eight activity levels and there was a significant reduction in treated bleeds. The therapy demonstrated durable hemostatic efficacy, offering a promising alternative to factor VIII prophylaxis. Potentially, most importantly, quality of life improvements were also observed, highlighting the clinical potential for gene therapy in the long-term management of severe hemophilia A. And also very important, this is a trial with the highest number of participants with in total 130 for participants with severe hemophilia A. Chiroctococcine Vitelpavovic also has three-year data in phase one and two studies in adults with severe hemophilia A across several different dose cohorts. In the highest dose cohort, three times 10 to 13 vector genomic copies per kilogram, participants maintained factor eight activity levels in the moderate to normal range over the duration of the study. At the time of reporting, none of these patients had resumed prophylaxis. SPK8011 is another gene therapy treatment studied in hemophilia A and has gathered up to five years of follow-up data demonstrating durable results. Factor eight expression was maintained in the mild hemophilia A range for most participants. Across all cohorts, there was a significant reduction in analyzed bleed rate for all bleeds with similar reductions observed in prophylactic and on-demand treatment groups. Moreover, median analyzed factor VIII infusion rates decreased substantially. So as observed, the latest clinical data on gene therapy in hemophilia A is promising and the majority of patients benefited with a significantly increased transgene level of factor VIII, resulting in the possibility to stop prophylaxis, markedly reduce annual bleeding rate, and reduce the need for factor VIII concentrates. It now will be interesting to follow up and see for how long these patients benefit. Next, let's review the safety profiles associated with gene therapy in hemophilia A. To understand the risk-benefit profile of gene therapy, we first have to consider our current standard of care. Standard treatments involve frequent infusions or injections, risking persistent breakthrough and subclinical bleeds that cause long-term joint damage. In contrast, gene therapy supports sustained factor VIII expression, reducing infusion needs, minimizing bleeds, and improving overall well-being, especially in social life. Gene therapy for hemophilia A has shown promise, 
But safety concerns have emerged from clinical trials. Firstly, some patients experience transient elevations in liver enzyme levels, primarily ALT and AST. Also, these elevations were often asymptomatic. They necessitated immunosuppressive treatment, which in turn led to various adverse effects, including increased appetite, weight gain, a cushing weight appearance, skin changes, and cognitive alterations. Notably, severe adverse events such as osteoporosis and fractures have been observed but can be mitigated with appropriate measures. Additionally, there are long-term concerns including adrenal suppression and elevated risk of eye conditions, dyslipidemia, hyperglycemia, and diabetes. Immunogenicity is another issue with anti-AV neutralizing antibodies potentially leading to immune response against viral vectors. Also, this hasn't proved to be an issue so far with our gene therapy in late-stage development. There is also an initial risk of bleeding due to fluctuations in factor levels shortly after gene therapy, which prompts a decision regarding the continuation of previous prophylactic treatments. Durability and response variability are further concerns, with intra- and inter-patient variability complicating predictions. There are currently no markers available to reliably forecast patient outcomes. Despite these safety concerns, the majority of patients appear to benefit from gene therapy for hemophilia A. Careful evaluation, monitoring, and individualized treatment plans are essential components of managing these concerns. While there are uncertainties, it's crucial to discuss these safety issues with patients and inform them that there are strategies in place to address adverse events should they arise. In our next session, we'll identify which patients are good candidates for gene therapy. Next, we'll take a closer look at which patients are appropriate for gene therapy and how we identify them. It's important to note that patients must not have previous history or current presence of inhibitors to factor VIII or neutralizing antibodies to AV vectors in gene therapy of hemophilia A. Inclusion criteria for hemophilia A gene therapy trials include adult patients with severe hemophilia A. Patients should be on prophylactic factor VIII replacement therapy for a period of at least 12 months and treated with or exposed to factor VIII concentrates. There should be no history of detectable factor VIII inhibitor. Exclusion criteria for hemophilia A trials encompass factors such as pre-existing anti-AV capsid antibodies, active infections, and immunosuppressive disorders. Additionally, Patients with significant liver disease or blood conditions unrelated to hemophilia are also excluded. Good candidates for gene therapy should benefit from increased factor VIII levels, particularly in terms of joint health, pain management, and overall well-being. They must be in good health, especially regarding liver function, and exhibit a high level of compliance. This includes abstaining from alcohol for at least 52 weeks post-infusion, using double barrier contraception, and committing to regular follow-up consultations, especially after the initial gene therapy. Unsuitable candidates may have existing liver conditions, 
significant liver dysfunction or fibrosis or cirrhosis as indicated by specific liver tests. Behavioral factors such as non-compliance with alcohol abstinence, contraception or follow-up schedules as well as an inability to cope with psychological stress or environmental constraints could also disqualify candidates. In our next session, we'll take a closer look at shared decision-making and ensure patients understand what gene therapy entails. Consider all these factors when discussing gene therapy with a patient and addressing whether it is suitable for them. To facilitate shared decision-making, provide patient-friendly education and information about gene therapy, explaining its principles and functioning. It's crucial to have a comprehensive discussion about potential advantages and drawbacks, including the potential requirements for immunosuppressive treatment if ALT levels rise. Additionally, understanding a patient's expectations is essential in determining if gene therapy is appropriate. Once the patient decides on gene therapy through shared decision-making, a series of pre-infusion screening procedures are essential. These include assessing liver health, conducting neutralizing antibody assays, checking baseline transaminase levels, and obtaining reimbursement approvals. On the day of the infusion, monitoring should begin immediately. Infusion-related reactions require prompt treatment and post-infusion monitoring. Including assays for transaminases and factor levels is pivotal. Immunomodulation plans and prescriptions should be communicated between patients, healthcare professional, lab personnel, and follow-up centers. Long-term safety data should be collected and integrated into the appropriate national and global registries. It's important to remember that any original management plans should evolve with our patients' goals. To enhance the efficiency of hemophilia gene therapy and promote shared decision-making, the European Patient Organization, um, EHC and EHAT, have introduced the hub-and-spoke model. This model presents two distinct scenarios aimed at optimizing patient care. In scenario one, a hub takes on a central role as a highly experienced hemophilia treatment center, well-versed in both comprehensive care and gene therapy. In contrast, the spoke center, while being another hemophilia treatment center, may have limited prior exposure to gene therapy. However, its strategic advantage lies in its proximity to the patient, making accessibility a key benefit. Scenario 2 introduces a balanced distribution of responsibilities. Here, the hub primarily serves as a dosing center specializing in gene therapy administration. Concurrently, the spoke assumes a role as a management center, incorporating its own gene therapy expertise. This arrangement becomes particularly crucial during the post-treatment phase, ensuring thorough patient care and continuous monitoring. These scenarios aim to streamline hemophilia gene therapy responsibilities, offering patients and healthcare providers clear options for comprehensive care. By engaging in shared decision-making, patients can actively participate in selecting the most suitable care model 
based on their unique needs and preferences. In our final session, we will explore efficient, short and long-term monitoring strategies to optimize patient management. In this final session, we will consider some practical monitoring strategies that we can use to enhance management of patients with hemophilia. Bleeding events occurrence, location, severity, and potential triggers are key to identify, requiring vigilant patient monitoring and record keeping. Beyond bleed rates, quality of life, and hemophilia-specific patient-reported outcomes are important, aiding in assessing gene therapy cost-effectiveness. Laboratory testing is a key part of follow-up. These include monitoring factor levels and assessing liver health. Key markers to watch include bilirubin, ALT, AST, ALP, TGT, albumin, and PT. Regular meticulous monitoring is crucial to detect any notable post-gene therapy changes promptly. Imaging, like transient elastography and abdominal ultrasound, is also important. Engaging the patient in strategies for preserving liver health before undergoing gene therapy is a big part of follow-up. This involves taking lifestyle factors into account, ensuring regular follow-up appointments, abstaining from alcohol, managing weight, avoiding medications that could harm the liver, moderating strenuous physical activity and actively engaging in post-treatment checkups. Collaboration with hepatologists is of further importance, particularly for assessing liver health before gene therapy. Evaluating eligibility involves considering liver health alongside abdominal sonography, fibroscan, and transaminase levels. This is particularly critical for patients with undefined conditions such as liver fibrosis, fatty liver disease, or a history of hepatitis B or hepatitis C infection, HIV infection, or medications impacting liver functions. Recognizing each patient's uniqueness underscores the importance of collaborative decision-making throughout the entire gene therapy journey. Apart from short-term safety concerns, there are potential long-term issues to consider. Firstly, in preclinical trials, there was an observed risk of genomic mutagenesis after AV-mediated gene transfer. However, this risk is considered low due to the mainly episomal nature of the cDNA. Nonetheless, long-term clinical studies and registry surveillance are necessary to confirm this. Another long-term concern, especially if factor levels are normalized, is the risk of thrombosis. Overexpression of clotting factors to high levels could shift hemostasis from hemorrhagic to a thrombotic phenotype. In summary, the first approved gene therapy for hemophilia A, valoctococcine roxapavovec, has shown a significant increase in factor VIII levels, but is still important to monitor the long-term benefits of this treatment. Safety concerns, including immediate or post-administration events, such as elevated ALT levels, need prompt management with immunosuppressive treatment. Additionally, there are potential long-term side effects, emphasizing the importance of collecting comprehensive data and lifelong patient inclusion in national or international registries. Thank you very much for listening. 
Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.